Get informed, get inspired, and get connected. CannabisRadio.com presents NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. The National Cannabis Industry Association is the only national trade organization representing the businesses of the legal cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice covers a range of topics, including the rapidly evolving political and policy changes that affect our industry, news and events of importance to cannabis professionals, and features on companies, individuals, and campaigns at the cutting edge of the cannabis industry. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice begins now. Hello, thanks for tuning in to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Bethany Moore. I'm the Deputy Director of Communications at the National Cannabis Industry Association. Today, my guest is Elizabeth G. Litton. She's Partner and Chief Privacy and HIPAA Compliance Officer at Fox Rothschild. Named one of New Jersey's leading healthcare attorneys by Chambers USA, Elizabeth serves as national and regional counsel to a wide range of healthcare-related entities, including hospital systems, healthcare facilities, regulated and self-funded health plans, and healthcare technology companies. With more than 25 years of experience in the industry, she's known nationally as a go-to source for insight on healthcare law and regulation. Welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Thank you. Absolutely, it's great to have you. Thanks for taking some time. Let's back up a little bit and hear a little bit more about your background and your experience and more about what you've done before moving into the cannabis space. What'd you do before moving into this space? Thank you. I have been a healthcare regulatory attorney for my entire career. And that's a pretty broad category. So it encompasses everything from licensing on a state level to reimbursement, Medicare, Medicaid reimbursement issues. Um, It also includes, has led me into the direction of privacy and data security through HIPAA and part two, which are the regulations that govern substance use disorder treatment programs. And I've also become familiar with many of the individual state laws that govern data privacy and security. And I, when I began my career in law school, actually before I began my career, I thought I wanted to be a tax attorney. And when I was interviewing with a position for a large Philadelphia law firm, I was convinced by one of the recruiting partners by to join the health law department by his stating that if I enjoyed reading the internal revenue code, I would absolutely love the Medicare and Medicaid regulations. (laughs) And as crazy as it sounds, I laugh about that, but it's true. I do like uh, getting into the weeds, so to speak, uh, with the details of regulatory compliance and understanding exactly what needs to be done or what should not be done in order to um, conduct business properly and stay out of trouble. Well, all of that is certainly uh, within the within the arms of cannabis as well, right down to the many state-based regulations as well. So being a person who enjoys details and lots of light reading before bed, I say, uh, <laughs> I say with a sense of humor, um, how was it you decided to move into the cannabis space, which absolutely is very complicated, lots of regulations, lots of compliance? 
Yes, well, I first became involved when New Jersey approved medical cannabis cannabis and uh, being very familiar with the New Jersey Department of Health, the agency that was rolling out the application process, I began working for one of the companies applying for one of six initial um, licenses, permits to conduct medical marijuana in New Jersey. And we were successful. My client was successful in um, obtaining one of those permits. And then I went on my way um, doing other types of healthcare regulatory things uh, not related directly to cannabis, but always kept an eye out on what was happening elsewhere in the country and very interested in industry, particularly because I'm interested in, in healthcare as a whole. So fascinated by the, the ways in which medical cannabis could can be used and to you know, alleviate many different conditions and to help people. And then also dealing with the opioid crisis saying, you know, it's, it's kind of insane that in some respects we have legalized medications which cause a lot of problems and we have illegal drugs that, you know, from a federal standpoint that um, might be able to, to benefit many people. So I was interested in these issues from a policy standpoint. In the meantime, um, others within my firm Josh Horn and Bill Bogat uh, are two attorneys who really began doing a lot of work in the cannabis space for all kinds of companies in Illinois and uh, all throughout the country, actually. Every state that has uh, cannabis, uh, whether it's adult use or medical, um, they became very, very active in that space. Interestingly, Josh Horn is a litigator by background, but had some experience in uh, Telephone Consumer Protection Act and some regulatory issues on a national level. And then Bill Bogut rep represented the casino industry and was very familiar with uh, really strong, tight regulatory requirements at a state level in various states. So I think having that regulatory background is what propelled them into the industry. And they now represent, we as a Fox Rothschild represents um, companies across the country as well as companies that are based even outside the US Canadian companies. So it's quite an active practice that gets into many different issues. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you mentioning the opioid crisis as well. Um, NCIA uh, published a policy paper several years ago that's still incredibly relevant today about how cannabis is actually a viable solution for the opioid crisis, uh, as many people have used cannabis to reduce or completely uh, cease their opioid use uh, if they decided it was a problem for them. Awesome. So moving to the present here, uh, as you mentioned, you're working with Fox Rothschild, a member of NCIA, working with cannabis companies across the country what's happening this year with the company and, and what else can you tell us about what you're working on? So at Fox Rothschild, I've been with Fox for many years. I serve as, as you mentioned, the, the chief privacy officer and HIPAA compliance officer. I'm a member of the health law practice group. I'm also the co-chair of our privacy and data security practice group. I have also served on the executive committee of the firm. So Fox Rothschild is, we have about 950 attorneys, 27 offices, many different locations, but we're really a middle market. We call ourselves a middle market firm because we have, we don't just represent the Fortune 500 companies. We have 
plenty of those, but we also have plenty of startup companies and everything in between. So uh, we have about four times the number of clients of a firm our size, which is interesting and unusual and keeps our conflicts council busy. <laughs> but from my perspective, being on the executive committee, uh, it gave me an inside look at running a business. And because a law firm at the, at the end of the day is a business and you have to make a lot of decisions of, as, as to how to run a business, how to manage risk. And I do that quite a bit. So I'm also, as the chief privacy officer, I'm a member of the Office of General Counsel. And as a law firm, we have a self-funded health plan. We also serve as a, we have many different healthcare clients, some of which have to provide us protected health information in order to provide legal services. So we are subject to HIPAA as a health plan and as a covered entity, as a healthcare provider that is a covered entity, uh, excuse me, as a health plan and as a business associate of covered providers who are covered entities who are healthcare providers or health plans. So I've been involved in the HIPAA compliance space, both on behalf of my, of our different Fox Rothschild clients in the industry, but also I do this in my role as the officer within the firm and as a member of the Office of General Counsel. Wow, gotcha. So your hat collection, it's uh, pretty big, huh? <laughs> it is, it is. Like some days it's hard to, it's hard to remember which, which hat I'm wearing and whether it's covering my eyes and I'm stumbling around. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun though, too. And I feel that it puts me in the shoes of being a, being a, sort of understanding the perspective of clients as well. Absolutely. Got it. So before we take our first commercial break, we've got about a minute and a half, maybe two. Uh, I know there's some limitations about the kind of advice you can give on this show, but we are absolutely going to, to dive into some HIPAA compliance as well after the break. Is that right? Absolutely. So yes, I have to, I have to just mention um, to not get my friends and my Office of General Counsel upset with me that <laughs> everything I say, these are my opinions, not the opinions or, or express, expressed opinions of Fox Rothschild. And also I cannot, nothing I say should constitute legal advice. I think anybody listening should really, if they have specific questions, consult with their own counsel. Absolutely. So of course, this show provides a lot of education from the expertise and thought leadership of our members, but similar to our blog, um, you know, information is, uh, you know, represented in different ways by our speakers. So uh, if you have questions at the end of this show, you can certainly reach out to your own attorneys or reach out for more questions as well. But just have a listen in the meantime and hear what you hear, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and take our first commercial break, and then we'll be back to chat more with Elizabeth Litton, who, as I mentioned, is Partner and Chief Privacy and HIPAA Compliance Officer at Fox Rothschild. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Elevate your every day with that Shuggies feeling, with the sweet taste of Shuggies. Add a cup of Shuggies to your morning coffee. Ah, how sweet it is. Shuggies infuses cannabis and cane sugar to make it the perfect sweetener with benefits. Make your happy hour happier with a dunk of Shuggies in your drink. Order your Shuggies now at S-H-O-O-G-I-E-S dot com or find it in dispensaries throughout California. Whenever you crave a little sweet, pick up Shuggies, the sweet, sweet, take-anywhere treat. 
Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio, and we've been chatting with Elizabeth Litton, who works for HIPAA compliance issues at Fox Rothschild. So it's your expertise to talk about healthcare like regulations. Let's dive right in. And we're talking about medical cannabis programs in various states. They're all unique from state to state. Uh, some are called caregiver programs from the older models. And of course, you have to register as a patient in order to participate in these programs. There's not necessarily anonymity like you might have in adult use cannabis dispensaries where sure they check my ID to make sure I'm of legal age but they're not taking down my information for any reason in an adult use 21 plus dispensary. It's a little bit different with the medical cannabis dispensaries. So how, how does a medical cannabis patient know that their private medical information is being protected? Well, the first thing they can do is ask the dispensary if they have a privacy a notice of privacy practices. Now that is a document under HIPAA, which is our national law that protects most health information, not all, but protects health information that's created by a covered entity. As I mentioned briefly in my intro, a covered entity is a health plan for most purposes that people come into contact with. It's their health plan or their healthcare provider. Now, not all healthcare providers are subject to HIPAA, only those that engage in an electronic transaction, a standard transaction electronically. And typically that means submission of a claim. That's one of the examples of under the regulations of a standard transaction but it can also be encounter information. And so depending on what the state requires, many of the cannabis companies that have to submit specific information about the uh, individuals, their patients to the state or to, to transmit information electronically are in fact, they do in fact fall with under, with under the definition of a covered entity under HIPAA. This is something that is not widely understood and known. It's become more recently of interest. At least one state, the state of Illinois, is requiring medical cannabis dispensaries to comply with HIPAA and has given deadlines by which they have to provide certain evidence that they are trying to comply with HIPAA, including, for example, giving patients a notice of privacy practices, which is something all covered entities have to do. Uh, You may be familiar with going to the doctor's office and getting a form to sign that you've been given this notice of privacy practices, whether it's a long document. The best thing a patient can do, a medical cannabis patient can do to find out if their private medical information is being protected is to ask their medical marijuana dispensary. For example, they can ask the dispensary, do you have a notice of privacy practices And the dispensary hopefully will say yes and provide them with a copy the very first time the patient receives services. Now a notice of privacy practices is a document under HIPAA that is required to be given to patients 
or members of a health plan by covered entities. Now, there's been a lot of confusion in the medical cannabis space as to whether medical cannabis dispensaries are subject to HIPAA. Often I hear them say, well, HIPAA is a federal law. Federal law doesn't recognize medical cannabis, so therefore we don't have to comply with HIPAA. Unfortunately, it doesn't really work that way. <laughs> the HIPAA, the definition of a covered entity under HIPAA, as I mentioned, includes a health plan. And many people will, are familiar with that if they have health insurance coverage. And it includes most types of healthcare providers, so doctors and hospitals. But it includes most types, I say, because it only includes a healthcare provider as a covered entity if the healthcare provider engages in a standard electronic transaction. And the typical, and these are defined terms under HIPAA, the typical type of standard transaction that most providers are involved with is submission of a healthcare claim. We don't have coverage under uh, health plans, generally speaking, for medical marijuana, medical cannabis. So that type of claim, you know, the submission of a claim is not involved typically, but there may be um, requirements at the state level to submit information to the state about an encounter. And that may involve identifiers of a patient. And if they, if the medical marijuana dispensary qualifies under the definition of a healthcare provider under HIPAA, the fact that it, the federal law doesn't recognize or doesn't uh, view medical cannabis as a legitimate medical product uh, really doesn't make a difference. So I've always taken the position that just about all medical cannabis dispensaries are subject to HIPAA as covered entities. This has become more recently clear in states that are taking the position that under state law, medical dispensaries must show evidence that they are in are attempting to be compliant with HIPAA. I say I never say that a company is compliant because it's a process. There's no there's no uh, <laughs> certification that you can get. If somebody says to you, "I'm going to certify you as HIPAA compliant," I would say run because there is no such thing. It's a not it's a, a process, thing. Got it right. But um, one of the requirements in Illinois, I think the deadline is just around the corner, August 1st, is to have a notice of privacy practices. And that is a document that tells your patients how you use and disclose their personal health information, protected health information as it's known under HIPAA, and also tells them of their rights with respect to their information. Hmm. And for example, the right to receive access to their to, to information, certain information maintained by the covered entity. Um, so the, the one, one thing to do is just to ask the dispensary, how do you protect my information? And if they do not have a notice of privacy practices, or if they don't understand and they direct you to their website privacy notice, you may wanna ask a few more questions or find a dispensary that's familiar with protecting the data because it, you know, typically HIPAA does apply and the privacy notice on the website serves an entirely different purpose. It has nothing to do with, with how information collected mm. in connection with dispensing the product is protected and maintained. So Got I think it. those are legitimate questions to ask. Okay. So, so definitely asking the dispensary about how they handle it. And it, it is, in fact, the dispensary's responsibility too to ensure that. Is that right? That's correct. When you're 
subject to HIPAA as a covered entity, you have to do a whole bunch of things. Not only do you have to give patients a notice of privacy practices, but you have to be familiar with the security rule, which, which has very specific provisions and requirements as to how you maintain the data electronically and what you do with it and how you provide access to it, how you authenticate somebody requesting access to make sure they are who they say they are. Hmm. And you have to understand the privacy rule and the breach notification rule. Okay. Yeah, that all makes sense. Um, I'm sure there are circumstances where a medical cannabis cannabis patient may actually want to share that information with with another doctor, like their primary care physician, or maybe their neurologist, or or maybe the medical cannabis dispensary has a really hands-on relationship with the patient, you know? So do, do these HIPAA rules allow for the flow of information for patients between what we think of as the traditional healthcare providers and the medical cannabis providers entering the scene? Yes, absolutely. So a covered entity can share, can disclose or share information for treatment, payment, and healthcare operations purposes. <clears throat> so that means from the perspective of the, the traditional physician, that physician can disclose information for treatment purposes to anybody else, whether they're a covered entity or not. So <clears throat> if you had a provider that did not submit electronic transactions, submit transactions electronically and did not qualify as a covered entity, the traditional healthcare provider who is a covered entity can still disclose information to that third party for treatment purposes. They may also disclose it for payment purposes and for healthcare operations purposes, meaning things that the, the, the practice does to for its own internal risk management, quality improvement, its internal uses and activities, and may disclose information to another party that is a covered entity for that covered entity's healthcare operations purposes, as long as that other party also has a relationship with the individual. So in the context of receiving information, the, the medical dispensary receiving information, even if the medical dispensary is not, does not fall within the definition of a covered entity under HIPAA, which again, I think is going to be a, a small, unusual situation, but if they, if they do not fall within that definition because they do not engage in an electronic transaction, then they can still receive information appropriately from a healthcare provider. They can also share information with the individual's healthcare provider for treatment purposes. And the US Department of Health and Human Services, which is the agency that regulates and oversees HIPAA, has tried to make it very clear that treatment is a purpose, a use and disclosure of information for treatment should not be impeded. They, they try very hard to make sure that there's no uh, reluctance to share information if it's needed to treat the patient. And mm -hmm. recent regulations that have come out, um, proposed regulations under HIPAA, adopted regulations from the Office of National Coordinator, which is part of the Health Department of Health and Human Services, a slightly different purpose to that branch of government. They have recently adopted, last spring, they adopted regulations to, to prohibit information blocking. Mm. And part of that, the reason, one of the reasons behind that is this concept that different providers treating the individual should receive 
information promptly so that they can engage in treatment with no impediments to that access to information. Yeah. Now, if in some cases, a provider sometimes will request a HIPAA authorization to share information for treatment, treatment purposes, that shouldn't be required. An authorization is typically just used if the information is to, to be disclosed in a way that is not otherwise permitted under HIPAA. So for example, if an employer requested information, the individual can authorize the medical provider to, or the cannabis dispensary to provide information to an employer, but that requires the signature of the patient. And that oh, yeah. <laughs> not go out automatically. Exactly. No. Exactly. Interesting. Yeah. It makes me think of, you know, like 20 years ago when I was talking to my doctor about anxiety and depression was telling her that cannabis is helpful for me. This was 20 years ago. So she kind of looked at me funny and was like, are you sure you want to be telling me this right now? So it's great to see the landscape is is changing. We have to take our second commercial break uh, and then we'll be right back to wrap up our chat with Elizabeth Litton of Fox Rothschild. Stay tuned. NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice will return once we give a voice to our sponsors. Hey, take a look at this. They're selling smart pots. They have pot that can make you smart? Where is it? Not that kind of pot. Smart pots are the best aeration container to grow your plants. Check this out. This is the original fabric container for faster producing, healthier plants. They're made with a superior fabric that delivers high yields. Plus, smart pots are reusable and sustainable, so you can use them over and over again, no matter if you use them indoor or outdoor. That's very smart, but how good are they for the environment? Smart pots are BPA-free and lead-free, so you'll always be able to ensure a pure, clean grow, and they're 100% made in the U.S. Over 28 million smart pots have already been sold, so it seems like a smart investment. Look for smart pots in close to 2,000 garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com. Get informed, get inspired, and get connected with more of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice only on CannabisRadio.com. All right, we're back on NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice on Cannabis Radio. I've been chatting with Elizabeth Litton from Fox Rothschild, who knows a whole heck of a lot about HIPAA and compliance and how medical cannabis is starting to weave into this as well. So I wonder if you have any advice for medical cannabis providers, medical cannabis dispensaries who are listening, maybe who do want to be on the HIPAA compliance journey. I like how you said it's it's not a certification, it's a process. So um, for, for exactly. For, yeah. For those who are working toward it and would like to be more compliant, it's really not as easy as like putting up one of those OSHA posters in your office break room, wiping your hands and calling it a day, right? Absolutely. It's it's something that you can take in phases. Um, but the, to begin with, one of the first places to begin is to do a security risk assessment. And HHS on their on the website, the HIPAA website, has some free tools available to help you walk through the process to, to see where your data sits. I mean, essentially a security risk assessment wants to see how you collect, what you collect, how you collect, where you send any information that relates to patients. And protected health information is not just 
name and diagnosis and obvious things related to, to care. It's anything having to do with that patient, even if it's just the date of service with no other identifiers. But the HIPAA risk assessment tracks the security rule. And when you finish that process, you should have a sense of you know, where your data resides. And, then the, and that can be used. You can identify gaps and missing areas in the regulation where you need to address something that's required that you haven't addressed. Or if, you've, if you haven't implemented a particular standard that's not required, but it's mentioned in the, in the HIPAA regulations, you should identify why you haven't, you know, for example, if you haven't encrypted your system, you should have a good explanation as to why. Um, so the HIPAA risk assessment is a really good first step. You can do that yourself with the help of an IT person, um, but it's also something you can do with it with an outside consultant. And then you can also use that to create your HIPAA policies and procedures, which is your manual that talks about how you comply with the HIPAA security rule, the privacy rule, and the breach notification rule. And then you can use that manual to train your employees that have access to protected health information and hopefully avoid a breach. And also to make sure you have all the documents you need. So for example, if you're a covered entity, you need to have a business associate agreement with any vendor that you use um, that requires or accesses in some manner or has access to protected health information. So there's a whole array of things that, you, that, that need to be done and I mentioned earlier the notice of privacy practices, that's also a requirement. Mm. But that's a good place to get started is with your security risk assessment and see where your data is. And is it segregated? If you also have an adult use part of your business, can you segregate the data if, to the extent you're collecting anything, maybe for marketing purposes? Mm. That's mm -hmm. something else that's in the privacy rule. HIPAA right. generally doesn't permit use of protected health information for marketing purposes. Sure. So, um, you know, you want to make sure you've gone through each of the each of the rules carefully and hopefully with HIPAA counsel so that you understand how things work. There's again, there's a lot of confusion among lay people about the requirements of particular aspects of the rule. Yeah, yeah, of course. And you know, I'll say it again, compliance, 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 the cannabis industry has no shortage of issues, but really it's about tightening things up within our industry as well before federal legalization. So it's it's really important to think ahead about these things and get on top of them, absolutely. And I appreciate you sharing that with our audience today, Elizabeth. Uh, where can our listeners get more information about this or reach out to you with more questions? Sure, absolutely. Um, you can reach out to me by email, elitten, E-L-I-T-T-E-N at foxrothschild.com. You can also go to our Fox Rothschild website. We have, if you go under services, you can learn about our cannabis practice group, also our privacy and data security practice. We have a lot of resources under the privacy and data security practice website that also talks about privacy rules that are specific to certain states. We have a HIPAA incident tracker tool in, in case you something happens, like you send a a blast email without blind copying everyone. If you, send, if, you, if, you, if you find yourself in a position <laughs> where protected health information has gotten out or impermissibly disclosed or used, um, you can walk through that tracker to help you figure out what you do next. Oh, wow. um, so we have a lot of resources there and I'm happy to uh, you know, privately answer any questions that come up. Great, great. Well, thank you again for joining us on the show today. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in 
to another episode of NCIA's Cannabis Industry Voice. Until next time. Thank you. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.